this episode of Swindle's Search for the Truth, we're going to be talking about the horrific, premeditated murder of a 16-year-old girl, which occurred near where we are today in Blackpool in 2013. 16-year-old Sasha Marsden was studying childcare at college and looking for part-time work. David Minto lured her to a hotel under the pretense of a job. Unknown to Sasha, he'd attacked another girl days before. She had escaped, but Minto had learned, and this time attacked Sasha from behind. She didn't stand a chance. He stabbed Sasha multiple times, raped her, and tried to dispose of her body by wrapping it in bin bags and carpet underlay and setting fire to it. Sasha had to be identified by DNA. Minto was arrested four days later and charged with her murder. Convicted on the 26th of July 2013, he was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 35 years. Today, we're joined by Sasha's sister Katie, who has tirelessly campaigned for better involvement of victims' families in sentencing. In the last month, the Prime Minister has announced that the most horrific murders will carry whole life tariffs. Katie's been to see David's show, The Makings of a Murderer, which discusses early intervention with people who pose a high risk of harm to the public, like Minto did. It also looks at cases in which murderers have disposed of or concealed the bodies of their victims, as Minto tried to do. David is the former head of public protection and was involved in early intervention during his career. This multi-agency working can help to reduce the risk of those who pose a threat to the public going on to commit terrible crimes, such as Sasha's murder. That is an absolutely horrendous case. It's one of the most horrendous cases that I've ever heard of uh, in my 34 years in the police, mostly in the CID. Katie, I've met you before. You came to one of the makings of a murderer shows, um, I think it was in Lancaster. Um, I'm delighted to see you again in these circumstances, it's absolutely terrible. Your voice is the voice of your sister who's no longer here and was killed in horrendous circumstances. Maybe just tell us a little bit about what happened. I know it's very difficult for you. Um, just tell us a wee bit about, you know, the issues and I know you have a campaign ongoing that you're trying to push for change. Um, because, as we say, Sasha has no voice and you are her voice, so tell us a few things. So Sasha went for a job when she was 16. She just wanted to earn enough money so she could take a boyfriend to, it was an all-you-can-eat buffet in Blackpool called the Gurkha, and she wanted to take him there for Valentine's Day, so she got herself, well, she was wanting to get a little job so she could take him there. Um, so she, David messaged her on Facebook and David being David Minto, the guy that killed her. Killed her, yeah. Um, so he messaged her on Facebook um, and asked if she wanted to come to the hotel, and she's just assumed because she wasn't friends with him, she had no reason to want to go and hang out with him or spend any time with him. She just assumed it was for a job, so she said to him, "What for a job?" And he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, come for a job." So she's gone. Um, she went for a trial day, came away, everything was fine. He paid her ten pound, which she was buzzing with. Um, and then she went back um, it, two or three days later and that was the day where she walked in there and he attacked her from behind um, with a knife. And there was a, an element of 
she trusted him because he, he had a connection with this hotel and he was offering her a job at this hotel. Is that, yeah. is that so you know? he'd earned a trust by having her there the day before, uh, three days before, so she felt a lot more comfortable with it with him. She was at ease, she'd been there before, come away and everything was fine. So she had no reason not to trust him once she got in there the second time. And I know it's difficult. What happened when she went back the second time? He attacked her with a knife, you said? Yeah, so the police said that the attack was instant as soon as she got in there. He attacked her from behind. She had... 57 injuries just to the back of her head. Um, one of those injuries um, caused the knife to chip Sasha's skull and the tip of the knife was bent because it hit her that hard with the knife. Um, he then went, she had defence wounds, she fought for her life. Sasha's fingerprint and her blood was found on the inside of the Yale lock so she almost got out. Um, she literally got to the door of the hotel and nearly got out but obviously he's overpowered her and got her back in. Um, she bled out, she had no blood left in her body um, and then while she was dead or dying he raped her vaginally, or ra- vaginally and anally in the bathroom. Mm. Horrendous, absolutely horrendous and what did he do then, his conduct after he did that? I mean what he's done, it's planned, it's extremely violent, it's sexually sadistic uh, and what did he do thereafter? Um, he wrapped her up in like bedding and carpet underlay from the hotel, he put Sasha's body in the bin, uh, wheeled the bin outside in the back alleyway, um, tipped her out of the bin and then set fire to her. He used um, like turps or something like that, um, an accelerator, um, and he aimed the fire towards Sasha's genitals so that then it would destroy any evidence of the sexual assault that he committed, committed on her. Um, and then he used Sasha's phone to text Sasha's dad. Uh, well, he tried to text Sasha's dad to say, meet me at Madame Tussauds to make out that Sasha left the hotel. But Sasha didn't use text messaging. She didn't have credit on her phone. She communicated with her dad via BBM Messenger, um, which is like on a Blackberry phone. So the message never actually sent to her dad. Um, and then he actually took selfies of himself on Sasha's phone after he killed her. Oh, so he's tried to dispose of the body. Um, now, this is someone, and then he was, he was caught, eventually yeah. caught, four days later or something like that? Same day. Um, so my mum and Sasha's dad went to the hotel looking for Sasha. Um, they knocked on the door and he answered the door um, and they said, you know, where's Sasha? She came to work here and she's not come home. And he said that she left to meet her dad hours ago. Um, when in actual fact, it, Sasha's body was in that back street, um, just yards away from my mum and dad who were out looking for her. Um, then his girlfriend came home from work that night um, and he told her that he'd had a nosebleed and that's why all the blood was in the hotel um, and then he took her out to this to obviously to Sasha's body but he told everybody that somebody had started a fire and it tried to suggest that it was a mannequin and because he'd used black bin bags to wrap Sasha's body in um, the bin bags had actually melted, melted to Sasha's yes. skin so she looked like one of those black mannequins that you get in a shop. So people thought she was a mannequin and nobody rang the police. And then he's gotten closer to Sasha's body and said, since when do mannequins have blood? So then his girlfriend's phoned the police. Um, the police came and that's obviously when they discovered that it wasn't a mannequin, it was Sasha's body. And and you couldn't see the body? You couldn't see your sister's body? No, we were Your family told. couldn't see her and she was only identified by DNA? Yeah, they told us uh, that she didn't look like Sasha. You couldn't identify her to look at her because she had a lot of injuries to her face where he'd stabbed her. Horrendous. Um, Absolutely horrendous. This is someone that was... He'd, he'd planned this, yes? From yeah. what you're saying, he planned this. Yeah. He'd, um, 
and he committed a horrendous violent sexual attack. The CPS said in court that um, he planned it with the previous girl that he'd lured there, and mm. when she got away, um, he made sure when he lured Sasha there to have the knife to make sure that Sasha couldn't get away, that his next victim wouldn't be able to escape. And he's trying to cover up, he's trying to get rid of the remains as well. And, yeah. Um, this is something that cool, calculating and evil, and this you heard me yeah. speaking about that, because you were at the Makings of a Murderer show in Lancaster, and you heard me speaking about that, and a lot of that yeah. would be ringing true to you. Now, one of the things that you've been campaigning about, the sentence that he got at court, it was, what, 35 years? Minimum, yeah. minimum 35 years. And you've been campaigning for change. Yeah. And you've got a, a petition, which I've seen circulating with a yeah. lot of support, and that was going to the government. And what was that change in relation to? What was it in relation to? So, currently, if, um, a fam if family members want to appeal the sentence of um, a murderer, they only have 28 days from the date of sentencing to appeal that sentence. And 28 days, you know, you've just learnt in court everything that's happened. Like, you get told very, very few details before the trial because they don't want the evidence in the case to get released into the public. So they don't really tell the family much detail prior to trial because they've got to protect that case and protect the evidence, which is right. Um, so then you've just learned all those months later what's happened in, in court and you finally know the truth, so then you will grieve. So in that 28 days you're grieving, you've just learned the horrendous truth of what's happened to the person that you love. You're grieving in that 28 days and you're not even told that you can. Well, at the time we weren't told that we could appeal. We weren't told about the 28 day limit. Um, it was just a case of that was the sentence and he could appeal it, but we weren't told that we could appeal it. Now, the police, you, you dealt with the police throughout it, you know, and, and I know from speaking to you, you had a very close, and you still have a very close relationship yeah. with the family liaison officers, and family liaison officers, you know, I was a senior investigating officer, and for me, doing that role, I couldn't do without family liaison officers. It's the most important link between them, and yeah. I think you still keep in touch with the family liaison officers, the yeah. Lancashire Police family liaison officers, I think, yes. Yeah, there's my closest friends, some of my closest friends, um, two of them are my son's co-parents, mm -hmm. um, one of them's visiting my mum, um, in hospital while she's poorly mm -hmm. um, and one of them was my birth partner when I gave birth to my children mm -hmm. so I'm very very close yeah, to them. Yeah. The, the, the issues that you're campaigning against are, are wider, you know, that you're campaigning for change are wider. Um, recently there's been a fair bit of publicity, in fact within the last four weeks, about full life tariffs Yeah. Um, and the Prime Minister, uh, Mr Sunak actually, you know, made quite public announcements about that full life tariffs for full life sentences for people convicted of horrific crimes or sexually motivated crimes. Sasha's death falls into that category, doesn't it? Yeah, well Sasha's death already fell into the category because she was sixteen, she was classed as a child. So mm -hmm. according mm -hmm. to the sentencing guidance, um Sasha, Sasha's murderer should have received a whole life order, but that wasn't given. Um under what Rishi Sunak is now proposing, um, even if Sasha was an adult, a whole life order would have to be imposed. Um, so obviously I fully support that and I've tried to contact him numerous times about this campaign and to try and get his support and his back up with it. I've not had a reply yet. Well, when, when the, the podcast, the Swindle Search for Truth podcast goes out, uh, our social media people will 
tag in the Prime Minister's office regarding that full-life tariff because there's a lot of stuff on that yeah. and you have written there so you know hopefully you get some response on it um, politically maybe speak to your local MP things like that um, but the big thing as well that you're on about because you know as I said at the start Sasha has no voice yeah. but you're her voice and you're a voice for change you're trying to get change in relation to that issue about the sentencing about families' involvement in the process, but also early intervention, yeah. stopping these people before they kill. And you heard me speaking about it in the the, the show, The Makings of a Murderer, uh, I speak about MAPA, multi-agency public protection arrangements, where individuals that pose a risk of harm to the public are managed. Now, there's issues about him, the murderer, yeah, there is. Uh, um, what's a few others? Because this is someone that was progressing towards, you know, he committed serious things years ago and he led up to it and he continued to get away and he was out in the public there. Give us a few of them because I know you you have lived, sadly, lived this case, researched this case. Give us a couple of them. There's a few of these things which are absolutely horrendous. Maybe yeah. if you want to read them out, it's horrendous. Um, so in April 2005, when David Minto was nearly 15 years old, he sexually assaulted an eight-year-old child. Um, in 2009, he shot four horses. He shot f- four horses? Yeah. Okay. Um, in 2011, when he was 19, he raped one of his friends from college. Okay. Um, and then in 2013... Um, just days before he murdered Sasha, he'd lured another young girl back to his hotel and she'd escaped. Um, he had previous history, going back to from when he was six years old. Um, he was um, aggressive, he was always breaking people's property. He set fire to his parents' kitchen, trying to burn them in the house. Um, he was always hurting other children. Um, uh, he, he was described as having um, inappropriate sexual touching. Um, and no understanding of what was acceptable behaviour. And he had a 10-year history of having no insight into other people's feelings. So... Lack of empathy. Yeah, this is someone is essentially yeah. a psychopath. Yeah, this is someone that, you know, cunning, controlling, conniving and progressing. Yeah. So the stuff you're speaking about there, like, you know, early sexual behaviour, killing animals... This is someone progressing. So he was yeah. progressing towards more serious criminality. And this is something that, you know, you... I think that's why you spoke to us initially about this. Yeah, there was um, a lot of uh, missed opportunities with him because he was supposed to receive a referral um, to GRIP, which is um, a service local um, at the time um, that supports, like, adolescents with inappropriate sexual behaviours. But because he was slightly over the age um, they just rejected the referral and there was nothing but no further support was offered to him if they'd have dealt with that maybe at the time then they could have dealt with his sexual sadistic mm-hmm. behaviour and he may not have hurt anyone so throughout his life this is someone that displayed all these extreme warning signs this is someone that was a high risk of harm to the public and you know was he ever managed as a sexual offender no he was never involved, never brought into MAPA. No. The um, multi-agency public protection arrangements to do with public protection, the risk of harm. No, there's never been anything on that and there was no mention at sentencing about his previous sexual history either. Okay, so sadly, you know, it's, pa- it's past, it's in the past. 
Fisher lost her life as a result of the horrible acts he's done. We can't change the past, but we can change the future. And that's why you're campaigning. So you're campaigning for change, yeah. and you're also pushing about an awareness of early intervention. Yeah. Because the public out there will see these things happening. Multi-agency working should, should help. Because there'll be other, sadly there'll be other people that are showing these early warning signs. Yeah, and if they can deal with it when they're kids, rather than when they're 22 year olds um, and they're left to sit and plan and, you know, search for victims online, like, they can access them so much more easily now. Um, so if they're just left to their own devices as a 22 year old adult, they've got all the time in the world to plan and find the next victim. Whereas if you deal with it when they're six year olds, when it seems to have started with him, um, then maybe they won't grow up to be murderers. Yes, that's a really powerful phrase you have used there, and we will probably use that as you know uh, a quote when we put this out there. That's a really powerful one. If there's early intervention, something when they're young and they do something serious that indicates that they might not grow up to be murderers. Yeah. And that is that's a real powerful phrase that you used and. And that is what it's all about, trying to catch people before and prevent it. Yeah, but I also want to make sure that he never gets out because with what he's done and his history, you can't rehabilitate what he's done. Um, so if he gets out of prison, then Sasha's died for nothing because at least by killing her, he's off the streets and everybody else is safe from him. If he's then released at 58 years old, he could, he could easily kill again. And you're... Campaign, the campaign, you're pushing that campaign, you're in touch with the Prime Minister's office and you hope to get an answer from the Prime Minister's office regarding this should be applied retrospectively. Can they do that? I don't know. I, I don't think they can apply it retrospectively, but no. with regards to the 28-day time limit on the unduly lenient sentence scheme, Sasha's case was referred to the unduly lenient sentence scheme and they decided not to refer it to the Court of Appeal. Mm -hmm. However, they've got no reason why they didn't refer it and because of that 28-day time limit, they cannot reassess the case. So if that 28-day time limit was removed, then they could then reassess Sasha's case in the hope of referring it to the Court of Appeal and then we can appeal Minto's sentence. So if we did get the law changed on the 28-day time limit on the unduly lenient sentence scheme, it could then result in a change of his sentence. Yes, I hate to say it, but people listening to this and out there will say 35 years is a big sentence, you know, but try telling that to you and your yeah. family. Um, but, you know, you've got to keep pushing that, pushing for change on it. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you think that we could put out there publicly about an awareness of it? The, the likes of Sasha's case, it's attracted some media attention. I think it attracted some media attention. I know you, I read something when I was researching uh, this morning, actually. You did an article recently in one of the papers. I saw an article in July this year, I think it was. There was quotes from you. Um, um, and it was a local something yeah, uh, Lanks Live yes, um, I, Blackpool Gazette yes, I, so we keep pushing that and, and I would like to think that perhaps they'll pick up on this podcast yeah. in you speaking because people are aware that there's early intervention that there's MAPA, public protection units every police force in the UK is involved it's not just its probation services the police, the health psychologists, everyone is involved in that. And the thing about early intervention, and I speak about it on the show, 
uh, speak about an individual that was torturing cats uh, near Glasgow and we brought him into MAPA and it was an early warning sign. You look at Ian Brady, the serial killer, he was he killed a cat, young, torturing animals. Peter Tobin, animals, progressing towards more serious criminality. And if they're brought in, yes, you can probably prevent them moving on. And there should be more awareness of it in society. And I think that's one thing we've got to keep pushing. Might not be the police that see the early, early warning signs, it might be people out in the public that see it and report it. Teachers. Teachers like are David, what can people do if they have a young person exhibiting concerning behaviours? What, what would be a good way to start that process? That's an interesting question, that, because uh, this came up at one of the shows in Ireland and uh, some people, two women, wanted to speak to me at the end and they were teachers and they had a young boy in the class that had been exhibiting the same type of behaviour, torturing animals. And he had told the head teacher in the school, and the head teacher, this is we can't breach his, his rights, the audit trail on it. So anyone seeing that in their children or other children should make a report to social services. Social services are more aware of it now. And the police as well. The police as well. But sometimes it's it's not quite as simple as that. People don't realise and they don't understand. And that is the thing the awareness of early behavioural stuff. People aren't aware of it. A lot of people that come to this show, someone, I've had four different times this has happened at the end of the show, somebody wanted to speak to me. And someone spoke to me at one of the shows and said, you've just described my son. And I asked them if he had done anything and they had a child psychologist involved. Families sometimes don't want to admit it's in the family. School teachers might not want to either, but there's more of an awareness on it, more of awareness, yeah. So a sort of good first step might be to speak to social services or the police and just get some advice and make people aware that you have concerns? Yes. Um, it, there should be people picking it up, you know, in schools. It should be. They don't always. But there's more of awareness nowadays. But the things that Katie's speaking about about him, mm -hmm. they were reported to the police and the authorities, and no one joined it up. And I would, I mean, from what Katie's described, that's more than just concerning behaviour. That's really quite serious offences from quite a young age with this guy. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he just wasn't given the right help. Um, they referred him to the right places, and the, those places didn't give him the help they yeah, needed. Yeah. There's a phrase you hear all the time lessons learned. Why should innocent children have to pay the prices for the people, the professionals that are trained? Yes, yes, to teach exactly. Those lessons. It's the kids exactly. and the innocents that are paying for it. So many times, uh, you know, people that are convicted of serious crime go into kill. And I, I was involved in a significant case, serious case reviews, where you sit with other partner agencies and you look at why that happened. A sex offender maybe murders someone, a sex offender that should have been managed in the community. Lessons learned. Are they learned? They're learned at the expense of someone's life. Yeah. You can list a load of cases, can't you? There's where? lots of cases, but this one is particularly personal to you and your family. Yeah. Um, so, so I think anything you want to say, I think you've said a lot there, 
Um, you lost your sister, as I said at the start. And the memories of Sasha shouldn't be about what happened to her later life. The memories about Sasha should be the happy days that you had with her. Yeah. And give us a few happy memories. We always talk about Sasha. Um, obviously, I've got two children now, and we want—they don't know what happened to her. But we talk about who she was, and she was just a cheeky, naughty, typical little girl. That was she was a proper daddy's girl. Um, she had a mum and dad wrapped round a little finger wherever she needed to go. Her dad would drive her to where she was, and then she'd ring him, "Dad, come pick me up," and then we'd take all my friends to where they're going, and then take me there, and then he'd go back home, and then he'd come back and pick her up again. Um, she literally, she was just a spoiled, pampered little princess, um, and she like we went on holiday once, and she she was just always finding herself in trouble. So she was playing catch with a big rock, and then she smashed the windscreen on her, on her dad's car because she, she didn't have a very good aim. Um, she loved her nephew. She loved kids. She wanted to work with children when she grew up. Um, she was studying childcare at college and she adored her nephew and all the pictures that she has on Facebook they're all selfies with him um, she loved her friend's children her friend's little boy Declan he he was four I think when she died he still remembers her now because she used to go around to the house to see his mum and then she'd be down on the floor playing with his train track and helping him build all models with all his toys um, she was just a lovely a, little girl a trusting girl and the yeah. trust ultimately she trusted. Well, she was that always interview. wanting to do things, mm -hmm. nice things for other people. Um, on Mother's Day, the first Mother's Day, that after she died, my mum found a picture that Sasha had made for her, and it was the most fantastic mum award, um, which she'd made for my mum. Um, I don't know when she was planning on giving it to my mum, but my, luckily my mum found it on Mother's Day, so it was like a bit mm -hmm. of a mm -hmm. last Mother's Day present off Sasha. Um, but obviously she died because she was trying to surprise her boyfriend. She was trying to get money to take her boyfriend somewhere nice. She died. She was killed by a horrible individual that had planned this. It was someone that she trusted. And sadly, yeah. that happy person you've just described lost her life in horrendous circumstances. And you, good on you, campaigning for change, and rightly so. And hopefully, Hopefully, the message gets out there with the podcast. Fingers crossed. Thanks very much. It's, you know, we're going to see you tonight as well. You're coming to the show tonight. And, yeah, yeah. And live yeah. Bringing one of Sasha's friends, mom. It's a difficult listen, but you know the messages are there, and the message is very powerful on this podcast. Your voice, uh, what you're trying to push, and we'll certainly share it widely, and hope everyone else does as well. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you. Thanks.